Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host Beth Lindop and today I'm joined by Paul Gorst and Theo Squires. How are we both still basking in the warm glow of, of Wednesday's win? I don't know about that. I think I'm still um, coming to terms with Jürgen's announcements. I mean, it was only a week ago, but it feels like it was weeks and weeks ago when we've dissected it to the nth degree, but still waiting to get some people's views on it and whatever else. So, yeah, it was a, it was a busy day, busy week. Um... And a bit of football amongst it all. So, yeah, it's been an um, oh, transfer deadline day as well. That so, doesn't really count. Nothing Yeah, happened. just an, another another busy week covering the Reds, I guess. I'm just glad we're recording on Friday because I looked dead yesterday. I don't know about you, Gorsi, but when we logged on for that morning meeting, I had massive bags under my eyes. Yeah. A15 kickoffs. They, don't, they shouldn't catch on. Let's get rid of them. I mean, you're looking a million dollars now, oh, Theo. So all, all good and plenty to dissect, as Gorsi said there. Um, we, do, we are live, so if you've got any questions, Pop them in the chat, and our lovely producer Ian will uh, will notify us, and we can do our best to answer them. Um, but best place to start, I suppose, is is Wednesday night at Anfield, probably one of, if not the performance yeah. of the season. I think prior to that, people may be questioning have this Liverpool side got got what it takes against sort of the the big sides. They hadn't won against the top six, and you know you can say what you like about Chelsea in terms of the form this season. Unlikely they'll probably finish in the top six, but they are you know still a still a threat. And hmm. and Liverpool, it was a performance of champions, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the best performance of the season, no doubt. Um, yeah, there were some question marks went over how Liverpool were going to handle it. I mean, Chelsea for me have been really poor for for best part of two years now. Um, so, I mean, <clears throat> you're reluctant to say that they're not a top six side, not a top six side, but they're a top six club, if, if that sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And given that Liverpool were unable to break down Man United and then that drove with Arsenal, you're kind of thinking, well, how's this one going to shake out? Have Liverpool got enough in them to to do the business? But after about 10, 15 minutes, I don't think you, you had any concerns. Did you? I, I remember saying to, think it was to you, Theo, or Doily, kind of turned and just said, this is coming, you know, Liverpool are battering the door down and, and so it proved. Yeah, um, Klopp said today that it was an outstanding performance. He absolutely loved it. And um, just sort of coming into form at the right time, you'd suggest. You know, certainly since since Christmas, you know, Liverpool have been flying. But this calendar year now, they've had three Premier League games. They've scored 12 goals, won all three. And they're absolutely flying. Um, and looking at the, the kind of the makeup of the team, the mental strength of the team, the quality of the squad, the fact that they're getting so many players back from injuries at key times, They've only lost one game now in 10, 
Premier League months. Okay, of course, there were a few months there when it was the off-season or whatever, but it takes a lot now to beat this team. Um, they're not going to crumble. They're not just going to capitulate. Um, and it's going to set up another titanic tussle with uh, Arsenal, won't it? Uh, with Manchester City and Arsenal might still have something to say about it all. So it's going to be fascinating now for the next three months. But I thought Wednesday was a... Um, an excellent way of putting to bed any concerns that Liverpool might stumble in the wake of Jürgen Klopp's news last week. The players, you know, responded perfectly and that's what you want to see going forward. Yeah, it has been a massive month. Liverpool's still fighting on, on four fronts and historically under Jürgen Klopp, January hasn't always been the easiest month. We saw that last year, back-to-back 3-0 defeats in the January, wasn't there? So for them to have come through a really tough run of fixtures with a lot of injuries as well, Theo, it is really impressive. Yeah, it is. It's a very strong squad. And as Klopp said himself, when players have got injured, other ones have grabbed the opportunity, the kids have grabbed the opportunity. And then when someone else goes away on international duty, it's always timely with someone coming back. It makes you appreciate just how good this squad is, how strong it is. In the past, we've had sides that have gone for all the trophies and you know what the best eleven is going to be. It's pretty untouchable apart from one or two players at centre-back or in midfield. Whereas now there's only three or four players that you'll say, yep, that's who I want starting in the biggest games and the rest you can chop and change at will. Like We'll get to the teams we're going to pick at the weekend at the end of this podcast, but I'm really... Yeah, fretting over Connor Bradley or Trent mm. Alexander-Arnold, who goes into that midfield. Like, it might not be a big dilemma in attack at the moment, but the rest of the team, they're just all stepping up at big moments and you just got hope they've got the energy to do it for four or five months. But you've got the faith that they have because they've been there before, they've done it before. The younger ones, while they haven't got necessarily the medals themselves, they've still been in the club that's got that winning mentality and they've signed the right players. And Klopp said himself, oh, we were lucky, weren't we? And that was a bit tongue-in-cheek about what happened with Chelsea and everything. But it's more, he's just delighted that he's got the players that he did get in and they have made such an impact. Like We can sit and talk about Sabosla and McAllister, Endo all day. They've been superb signings. So long may it continue with them to come, Endo to come back from international duty, Thiago to come back from injury and all the others. It's just going to get better in the weeks ahead. Mo Salah? Mo Salah. Oh, you forget about him, didn't you? Just because he keeps training. Yeah. Um, Yeah, fantastic team performance on Wednesday, but some really impressive individual performances as well. Connor Bradley, probably chief among those. I think it's six goal involvements now in four games, (laughs) which for a a 20-year-old player who... You know, even the new few, trend. Yeah, a few weeks ago. What were you doing at twenty years old? Oh, I wasn't wasn't scoring the Premier League against Chelsea <laughs> anyway. Um, a few weeks ago, you probably didn't really factor into it to many Liverpool fans' plans for, mm-hmm. for the rest of the season, and now he's almost bordering on undroppable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, five successive starts. I mean, a lot of that was was obviously down to Trent being injured. Didn't expect Trent, even though he's fit again, to play against Norwich. But I wondered whether Alexander Arnold might come back in for that Chelsea game and. And I saw it was Bradley. I thought, well, you can't really argue. You know, he's, he's playing really well. He's been in good form. And, and if you drop players when they're playing well, then what's the incentive to, to play well? But um, it was more than that, wasn't it? Klopp's obviously not dropped them or not rested them or rotated them because he knows that he can be a, a really effective player. Um, just a, a sensational performance. And not, not one of those that you're big enough because it was a young player and, you, and you're kind of giving them a little bit more praise than you might if it was a senior first-team player. It was a genuinely sensational performance and I think I tweeted with about 20 minutes ago struggling to remember the last time a young player with such a limited experience has played this well because uh, even when even when Trent came into the team he, he wasn't doing that after five appearances was he that was sort of when he was becoming a little bit of a, a kind of senior member of the team after sort of you know 100 appearances or so 
Um, it was brilliant, but uh, I was having a chat with Dooley on, on the way back from the game, and, and he, he mentioned it, and he did a little bit of research into it. It was actually Bradley's 80th senior professional appearance. Wow. Um, obviously only well, 15 or so for Liverpool, if that, but he's not a total rookie. Played mm-hmm. the internationals. So um, just... Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, he's played 10, 11 times for Northern Ireland, so he's not a total rookie, but um, I think Liverpool fans are starting to wake up to what he's able to do. Um, he made his debut well over two years ago now against Norwich in the League Cup. I think a lot of fans might have forgotten about that game just because it was a bit of a ordinary sort of early Carabao Cup game fixture, uh, one of the early rounds. But on this form, you, you're struggling to to take him out of the team because he was he was just unbelievable on, on Wednesday. Yeah, I suppose it shows as well, doesn't it, the the benefits of loaning out young players to to the EFL. I mean, we've seen it with Jarrell Quanta coming through this season, Connor Bradley now as well. And like Gorsi said there, he's maybe not played that many games for Liverpool, but having that ground in, you know, further down the leagues and that real sort of education that I guess playing senior football brings you is really beneficial, isn't it? Yeah, Liverpool have got this complex relationship with loans, or Jurgen Klopp does anyway. Like we know when he first came in, he didn't like it. He didn't understand the loan market. And they basically recalled everyone, didn't they, in his first few weeks at the club. But as he's got used to English football, he's realised it has its benefits. Like while you can stay with the 21s, play a few games there and train with the first team, sometimes you do need to go out in a men's environment. And there is a a mixture of success stories and plays where it hasn't happened. Like for all the success, we have seen a number come back halfway through a season having not played a lot of football, but then they're training with the first team again. It's about what suits the players. Sometimes they need those games. They need to bulk up physically. They need to see what it would be like if they didn't make it at Liverpool to be like a waking up call for them. Other times it's just just training with Salah, training with Van Dijk and all this. You get that nice blend here. Like Trent didn't need a loan spell. He was ready for the first team. Curtis Jones, the same. Maybe Bobby Clark, like there was talk that he could go out on loan, but they seem to have been quite pleased with how he's been for the last couple of months. So he's now part of that first team squad. But like, like you mentioned there, Quanter, Connor Bradley, this isn't players that have gone on loan and then taken their time to get up to the levels. They've gone and done it for a year, six months in League One, and then straight away they can step up to the Premier League. And this is credit to Klopp and the academy staff that everyone at Liverpool is trained to play the same way, the same style. Like when they signed Bradley at Bolton, they knew they were getting those Liverpool attributes in a player of pressing, getting forward, what you want to see in a fullback. And they'll like to think they've got the same from uh, Ramsey now, but we're now seeing it back in the Premier League. And you'd like to think this is just the start for Bradley rather than adrenaline from what we've seen so mm. far. I- I'd go along with it. It probably is. He's just going to get better and better and better. Just wish he hadn't been injured in pre-season. Yeah. No, that, that's a good point. You know, he's, he's missed three months of football, hasn't he? Where he would have played probably every Europe League round, you know, six yeah. fixtures there in Europe. And did he miss um, He missed the Carabao Cup game against Leicester, the need to Casey Jones play the right back. Mm-hmm. So he, he's probably missed out on, you know, certainly maybe eight to ten Liverpool appearances. Just like just short of 20. Mm-hmm. So you'd imagine Bradley would be close to that if he hadn't had the injury. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and to, to kind of come back from that injury at this level so quick. Yeah. You know, his, his testament to his ability and his and his mental strength, I guess. So, yeah, it's um, it's a real dilemma now for Klopp. That, but one that you'd rather have than you know having no one there really, which, which has been the case for quite a few weeks now with the number of injuries across all throughout the squad, really. Yeah, I mean, another player who was absolutely fantastic, I thought on Wednesday night was Alexis McAllister. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really liked this morning the quote from from Jurgen Klopp in his press conference that he's a football doctor, which yeah. um, very high praise indeed from from the manager there. I mean, probably one of his best performances, wasn't it, in a Liverpool shirt? Yeah, I thought he was brilliant against Bournemouth. 
and then he's just carried that on, hasn't he, against Chelsea? And, and I must admit, it, I've said a few times on this pod, I was a bit, bit worried about whether he was a natural number six, and you know, kind of associate that role with tough tackling and strong physicality and and mobility and getting across the pitch and and then kind of doing a day to work and leaving the the creativity to other areas of the pitch, but. McAllister is, is kind of changing my view on that. He's um, he's been superb for a few months now, but certainly the last couple of games, he's, he's really shown that he can match the the kind of technical surety that he's got in possession with his passing and <clears throat> you know his ability to to find space with the kind of traditional things you'd associate with a, a tough tackle in number six. So yeah, um, I was thinking before Endo left, Endo was one of the first names on the team sheet. Now was that number six, but now I'm thinking. Well, he's not going to get back in the team now because McAllister's shown what he can do, and that um, again is testament to the recruitment and and the kind of rhythm and momentum that Liverpool have got at the moment. Uh, I thought he was excellent and set the tone. And Klopp was uh, was interesting today, wasn't he, when he was talking about his you know his family and you know his, his dad was a footballer and his brother plays for USG in Belgium and you know his cousins and his uncles and all that. And he said he owes his dad a you know can't thank him enough for what he did for him at an early age and kind of making him the player that he is. So, uh, yeah, when you look at it on Wednesday when, you know, Enzo Fernandez is his Argentina teammates and Moises Caicedo was his former Brighton teammates and they've cost Chelsea about 220 million and Liverpool got McAllister for 35. Um, I know we got the best deal out of those three. Yeah, definitely. I think he, he outclassed everyone didn't mm. he, in that midfield. And it'll be interesting now, I think, to see what Liverpool do in the summer, perhaps, because I think last yeah. summer we, we yeah, very yeah. much thought that they would be in the market for a number six now, the form of Vitaro Rendu and, and um, Alexis McAllister, both of them. It, it leaves Liverpool with some qu- big questions. Yeah, we're with Pachetta to come back at some point as well. I think he was kind of earmarked as maybe the long-term heir in that position. He's had a difficult sort of 11 months now, hasn't he, because of injury and whatever else, but still young enough that McAllister can carry on in that position then though for backup as well and, and give Bichettis that time and space to develop into the player that Liverpool think he can be and um, Liverpool have got plenty of options there for the long term. It was quite telling, isn't it? Like start of December, looking ahead to the, the January transfer window, if you were saying what Liverpool needed, we'd have all been going, probably need a number six, mm. not quite satisfied with what they got there, maybe another centre-back or a right-back so you could put Trent into midfield. Look at it now, none of that. That's just been eradicated completely. Like, Gomez was superb, so you can just play him anywhere along the back four. So that quietens the need for a centre-back. That's just Krantz's emergence. Bradley, we, you've got your right back there. And as we've just been saying, Endo has been superb. McAllister stepped up again, been superb. You've got Trent in there as well. It's like, where does the new manager strengthen when the time comes? Obviously, they'll always find a way, and you'd like to think owners will back him sufficiently in the summer and get a few new faces. But it's a great starting point for whoever it is who does replace Klopp. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and it's not only in, in sort of midfield and defence where, where Liverpool have a lot of talent. We've we've seen, you know, going forward, they have probably one of the most formidable attacking units in the league, don't they? And among that that crop is Darwin Nunes, obviously. Darwin. Yeah, he's, he's always in the headlines, yeah. but for good reasons, for bad reasons. I think we are all sometimes a little bit guilty of being a bit reactionary whenever he's had a good game, whenever he's had a, a bad game. Um, I think that that performance on on Wednesday probably encapsulates his Liverpool career so far. You know, a couple of big misses, but overall just a phenomenal contribution to the team. I mean, what what do you did you make of him on Wednesday? And obviously now there's a there's question marks over whether he'll even feature on Sunday. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp yeah. said he, he left the stadium in a boot, not a football boot, a protective boot. <laughs> um so it's a question of, of whether he can even get his foot back in his, his football boots on Sunday. Um but yeah he'll be a big loss when he Theo if he can't play against Arsenal. I wouldn't write him off from playing just yet. Like we've seen him um come appear for training today in his training where no protective boot doesn't seem to have any bandage on. You think he had a sliders on there though, didn't he? he yeah. Certainly didn't have his size tens on. True. So, um, but you'd, you'd like to think he can be at least yeah. fit for the bench. And I imagine we'll get some training pictures at some point in the next couple of hours. So by the time people listen to this or watch this, it probably has already trained him. We'll be out oh, Darwin Nunes is fine. But um, he seems the sort of 15 minutes from yeah, just something like outside that, yeah. the box. And I think he had 11 shots in total. How many more would he have had if he hadn't? got injured his foot in like the 20th minute <laughs> he comes a nuisance from start to finish and... you've got repetitive strain from shooting maybe <laughs> maybe but like we all knew he, he was probably going to miss the penalty because it just felt a very not darwin nunez thing to do but as long as he's creating mischief and he's being this agent of chaos he's creating chances for his teammates he's keeping the center backs busy creating spaces having shots on goal uh Having that, making that himself a, a nuisance, you know what you're getting, you know what you want from him, and he's doing exactly that. It's when he has games like Crystal Palace or I think United, where he's not really doing much, you get on his back a bit and go, "What, what are you doing here? We need more from you." But he's doing exactly what your club wants from him at the moment, and you've got no doubts that the goals will come. He might have hit the woodwork three times more than anyone else in the Premier League this season. He's got the most missed big chances, but he's still got 22 goal contributions. 11 goals, 11 assists, that's really impressive for a striker just after the halfway point of the season. When he isn't your leading goal scorer, he's not your go-to, that is still Mo Salah and Jota's a better finisher anyway, but he's a very interesting package, as Klopp keeps saying. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to describe him, isn't it? Quite a diplomatic way to describe him, but he, he is. He, he, and I think that the thing is, you, you hear from the the way that the fan base just absolutely adore him, yeah. don't they? And, yeah, for, for good reason as well. He's not some sort of, you know, cult hero figure of comedy the fans just kind of rally behind because they like him he's he's a really effective footballer and there was a period in the first half where he he goes back to goal and he kind of drops off 10 yards and gets ahead of Thiago Silva with a little nudge nudge out wide to Diaz and it was just a real powerful show of, of centre forward play and the crowd really reacts to that type of stuff and from minute one, like Theo says he, he, had a, he had the bit between his teeth he was firing in shots left and right at Petrovic's goal on another day, that left-footed one maybe creeps in the far corner, the the, the one that he tipped onto the bar, maybe that swerves and, and goes into the net. He should have scored the header. 
should definitely have scored the penalty, but um, he probably does score the header if he scored the penalty. Yeah, yeah, but but the assist for Diaz was right on the money, wasn't it? Right in that six-yard area, and Chelsea just couldn't defend that. I thought he was excellent. You know, he it's it's funny when he puts in a performance that that good, that powerful, and sort of imposing that we're still talking about the the chances missed and whatever. Sometimes you feel for him, but like I'm saying to you, the game, you know, if he just scores the chances he should. His tally just creeps up, creeps up, and, and then that kind of aspect of the debate just becomes null and void. And then you're talking about him in glowing terms constantly. And, and outside of the Liverpool bubble as well, you'll start to realise what an important figure he is for the team. Um, more of the same on, on Sunday. Um, he's just got to try and occupy Saliba and, um, and Gabriel as, as as much as he can and just keep being a, a menace. Um, but I thought he was excellent, really. He should have scored, yeah. But... Um, top performance all round other than the miss pen and the uh, the header against the bar. It'll be interesting to see if he is fit against Arsenal what they do with him because that cup game he was struggling wasn't he when he was down the middle but it was on the left yeah. when he was yeah, causing yeah. real mischief there. It mainly it is one where even if he was fully fit you just start him on the bench anyway and he's a power play isn't he? You send him on there and then Arsenal are going to be rattled. You've still got the electric pace of Diaz on the left. Jota always scores against them. Gakpo dropping into midfield is that extra body to get hold of the game. Mm. We've got options, and that's without Mohamed Salah, that's for sure. Yeah, it was it was difficult to know who was playing where, wasn't it, on, on Wednesday? Diaz was, was definitely down left, yeah. but Jota and Nunes sort of interchanging. Um, it felt like they were both central, even though obviously one of them would have had to have occupied the right the right hand spot. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the best talent aren't they? Liverpool's players pretty much to a man. They are across the entire squad. I think there's only maybe Van Dijk and... Robertson, who can sort of only play one position, maybe Quanzen as well. But um, right back. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a you have to be versatile as a Liverpool player, and certainly as a as a forward, don't you? Unless you're Mo Salah and you know where you're playing every week. But yeah, it's. Um, I mean, we're coming on to our teams in a bit, but I just wonder whether sticking Diaz on that right might give some food for thought. Um, but um, yeah, I, I was a little bit worried to be honest about the, the forward line without Salah, but they've um, they put that to bed. Yeah, they've got a couple of questions about sort of team selection, which we'll get onto a little bit later on. But just wanted to go back to something that Klopp said this morning in his press conference. He said, "If you went, if you want to be around City, you better win all games." Um, so no pressure then going into yeah. into Sunday. I mean, how how big of a game is it on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, from a home perspective, I, th- I think I said to Doyle that Liverpool have got to got to win all the games now at Anfield between now and the rest of the season, and that will include Manchester City and and Tottenham, of course. Yeah, it's a big one, but I just wonder whether it's a bigger one for Arsenal. Um, I mean, draws no good to, to Liverpool, really. It draws basically just well-dressed defeats between now and the end of the season, given that City are in that kind of imperious run that we all expected of them. They're kind of in the midst of it now, aren't they? What was it, last seven or eight if they won, something like that, maybe even more. So, um, you know, Liverpool, difficult because... One of the toughest places to go, probably outside of the Etihad. Um, but if they do win, you have to think: is that Arsenal's title challenge done? There'll be, there'll be eight points clear, and Liverpool haven't, you know, did require Liverpool to lose three there, wouldn't they? And they've only lost one so far. So maybe there's a chance to really make a statement and take Arsenal out of the equation. But um, on the flip side, Arsenal will know that maybe if they don't win, if if they, they do lose, then that's them done. So. It's going to be a, a really intriguing one and um, a kind of back and forth one and um, 
uh, I mean, I say it, I've seen say it every week, but it's going to be another fascinating one. Yeah, and, and Klopp did say as well this morning that he, we have to be more dominant when he was reflecting on previous Liverpool-Arsenal games over the last few years. And Arsenal have, you know, the last couple of meetings dominated. Although I think the possession stats have been a lot closer this season, haven't they? But I think, you know, you go back to that FA Cup game, Liverpool could have been out of it in, in the first 10, 15 minutes couldn't they with the amount of, of chances and the amount of possession that Arsenal has early on. So Liverpool do have to ensure that they don't sort of get off on, on the wrong foot as they did in that game on Sunday. I say it's, it's the last four, isn't it? Arsenal started really well in the last mm-hmm. four. Liverpool have come back and it's been enough to get a couple of draws. Um, they lost, didn't they, at the Emirates last year when they conceded in the first minute. But it's j- just start better. Yeah. I'd like to think they'll be in a better place this time because at least Van Dijk's available. I'm imagining there's a, a few other players there. I can't remember the 11 off the top of my head from the Cup game, but the squad is in a better place with like uh, Sabosla and McAllister and all of them have come back from injury. Who knows? Maybe you'll even see uh, Thiago on the bench if he's impressing enough in training. So you'd like to think Liverpool can use that knowledge, high on confidence. And Arsenal, they, they always strike me as a very fragile team like they can beat anyone on their day but over a course of a season I'm not worried about them like Arsenal were always going to Arsenal they're always going to choke at that last moment it's how we felt about Liverpool 2017-2016 before that when before Klopp came in and made them into a side that can win things like they won their first trophy or they got to the Champions League final and then they took that next step Arsenal have not had that experience. They were not going to get that experience by going in and winning the Premier League last year. You don't just become champions overnight by them making that your first trophy. So they still lack something. They've got some good players, but then they've got others. And you think, you're not going to win the Premier League title with Jesus as your main striker and your only striker. I know he's done it loads with City, but they had Aguero there as well. They had so many other options there. They're just lacking a little bit something to be that bit more. And you can put them out of the title race here. They're still what fragile minds. We saw in the cup game, they didn't take the chances early on and they fell apart. Liverpool can make that happen again. Yeah, very very bold claim there. They're already out of the title yeah. race. I'm not sure I'll be that confident until after the full-time whistle <laughs> on Sunday. But um, another thing that, that Klopp said this morning was that having a, a well-stocked squad isn't a challenge, but a luxury. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. quite rare for, for any squad, but for Liverpool in particular, to have so many players available. Um, but there are some big big questions, and I think probably the biggest one, I know... Um, Nicholas Axelson on YouTube has said, I hope we start Bradley against Arsenal. He'll have Martinelli in his back pocket. I mean, what, what would you do on that? We'll get on to the whole teams a bit yeah. later on, but just the Bradley one, I suppose, is the biggest question mark, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, Klopp was right, wasn't he? You know, it, it, it's a luxury because Liverpool haven't had an opportunity to to select the full complements of players all season, I think, you know, because just by virtue of Thiago, Liverpool's best midfielder mm-hmm. being injured all season. Um, so hopefully in the next few weeks that'll start to change and Liverpool will be able to to rest and rotate as and when. But um, the pitch is looking a lot healthier now than it did a couple of weeks ago with the returns of Zabozlai and, and Trent and, and Robertson, of course, on, on Wednesday night. Um, even McAllister sat out the Norwich game, didn't he, because he had a little bit of an issue. But on the right side, yeah, I, I, I just don't see how you can drop Conor Bradley after a performance like that because the incentive is to play well and stay in the team. So, okay, I get that he's inexperienced and it's a huge game and all that, but, you know, so was everyone at one point. You know, every single player has, has been played when they've been inexperienced. So, um, play him. Put him at right back, see how he gets on against Martinelli. Um, Did very well there in the cup game. Against yeah, he hasn't really been overawed defensively, as you can only think of sort of one time when someone's got a random and that was Harry Wilson at Fulham, whenever that was last week. Um 
yet, but generally he's been rock solid defensively. And then maybe if it frees up Trent to, to put him in a in a different role. Um, but these are like Klopp says, the luxuries to have that he certainly hasn't had in, in the last what two months, three months, or all season. If we focus just on right back, it's the first time since 2017-18 where you've not had to rush Alexander Arnold mm. back from an injury, where he's he's still your first choice right back. Um, but then, yeah, I will take it from with Gomez. Since then, you've had, what, Milner can go there, but mm. you're just waiting for Trent to get back. Joe Gomez, Trent, get back. Nico Williams. Connor Bradley's just taking it to a next level. He's offering the things the same way and offensively, like getting forward, getting goals, getting assists. But he's so quick as well, so he can get back and win it back. He's like a mixture of Trent and Robertson. It's exciting to see. You kind of wish that you could do a 13 player side just because who would you drop in midfield to get Trent in that midfield so you could keep Bradley at right back and it's going to get even more of a luxury when Endo's back from the Asian Cup so uh, yeah I don't envy Jurgen Klopp having to pick his 11 from this but as he said today uh, having five substitutions helps because you're keeping everyone happy yeah. because you just make yeah. the changes on the hour mark and you can rotate it quite nicely I suppose slightly less of a headache on the other side with, with Andy Robertson just because of the length of his layoff yeah. and you would like to think he'd he maybe be given a little bit more time before yeah. he's thrown in. Joe Gomez there has been a bit of a revelation, hasn't he, in, in the last few weeks? Joe Berto Carlos. <laughs> would, you be, would you be eager to, to keep Gomez in on, on Sunday? Yeah, I would for this one especially because he'll be up against Saka, won't he? Saka cutting inside. Gomez, he's just been so good recently. You might as well keep him in. And it does seem to suit the formation more because he is that natural centre-back. So if you've got the, the right-back inverted or just getting forward, you've got a bit more defensive solidity there. It seems strange when we're saying that your first choice left-back and Robertson, you're not sure when you'll get back in the side. And we're saying the same thing about Trent. Like I said, I think to David Lynch on Wednesday, oh, you can see the drop-off here because they've just sent on the, the Premier League and Champions League winning full-backs. Yeah. And that's when Chelsea came back into it a little bit. But yeah, it's a welcome dilemma for Klopp. But if it's not broken, don't change it. Yeah, I would agree with with that one. Um, I mean, I, I do sort of sense as well that Joe Gomez is going to score his first goal, and it's got to be in a big game, hasn't it? It can't be in like he should a, have taken the penalty, shouldn't he? Well, I I think it's written in the stars for him to either score some sort of winner against Arsenal or City or something. Oh, he'll have the Vincent Company moment. Yeah, we we live in hope. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, Looking sort of a bit further up the pitch then, um, if Darwin doesn't play, I think someone asked us a question about this actually. Mark Anthony on YouTube has asked, if Darwin is out, who would you play? Gakpo, isn't it? I mean, there's not too many other options, really. No no Salah, no Ben Dokes for even, even the wild card, really. So, yeah, it'd have to be Gakpo. Two very different profiles, offer different things. Gakpo kind of keeps hold of it a bit better, doesn't he? Makes it stick a little bit more, protects the ball, carries it well, can shoot from distance. Um but Nunes for me has been in really good form all season and, and certainly the last few weeks. So it'd be a blow if, if he wasn't fit. But just from those pitches that we saw at, at training just before we started recording, I get the impression that um, he seemed okay. And also, I wonder, you know, Klopp just sort of offered that up without yeah. getting asked about it. So I wonder whether mind games. No, not so much mind games. I just wonder, you know, if he was injured, Klopp would have to be asked directly about Darwin Nunes' fitness for to provide an update. To be fair, the fact that he did offer it up, no one asked him about any other injuries. Like, no one followed up, how's McAllister doing, or is Thiago closer? He completely uh, sidestepped all of that because he threw that out there. On all yeah, series. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the whole squad could be out for, for all we know. <laughs> yeah, pop, yeah, possibly. Um, I think he'll be all right. I think Nunes will be clear to play. He said the need, the x-rays kind of indicated yeah. that it was all clear, and that's obviously a good sign. So, yeah, I'd... Um, 
I put Nunez in for this one, and then he can have six days of rest, can't he, before Burnley next week? Yeah. I was going to say, I'll offer a contrary option if he doesn't make it. Just You could put Sabosli on the wing and put Jota down the middle. Before he got injured, Klopp was saying that could be something they'd do during AFCON, and then he just got injured at the wrong time, but that would free up Trent to be in midfield. I don't think it would happen, yeah. but the fact that we have got all these options for... It's we're talking about that at Bournemouth in the cup. Was it Bournemouth? Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. might have been like Sheffield United or something where he mentioned it post-match after that. As in, it was something they were clearly thinking about going forward and it just hasn't materialised. But they've got lots of versatile players so they can have these discussions behind the scenes and like, weigh it up and see what's best. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and just a, another player I want to touch on quickly, um, Diego Jota. I mean, he is... We know how what a, what a prolific finisher he is. and Especially against Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. He, does, he loves a goal against mm-hmm. Arsenal, doesn't he? And I think Klopp described him this morning as the complete package, and I don't know about you, but I feel like the last sort of... His last few performances, it's been really sort of noticeable. That his overall game, the, the amount that he's been able to contribute, his work yeah. and everything like that has been, you know, even at an even higher level than it has been previously. Yeah, one of the things Klopp said was... You know, he he very rarely looked at a medical report after the game. He didn't see Jota's name on it, whether it's hamstring injury, knee injury, or just, you know, mundane things like a, a knock or a bruise or whatever. And recently he's been off that list. And you can sort of tell on the performances, can't you? He's, um, he's absolutely flying. I think Klopp said he's literally flying, didn't he? He called them fresh, he called them explosive, said the complete package, super smart. He, he basically just gave them all the plaudits you want to you wanna level at a player and... You can understand why, you know, since he's come back on Boxing Day, I think he scored five goals, has he? Um, a few Four assists track. in there as Never well. Scoring so many. Yeah, he's um, he's a player in real form, 13 now for the season, obviously second to Mo Salah, um, and Liverpool's biggest goal threat for, for Sunday, I'd suggest. So, yeah, been in great form, probably his best, well, definitely his best form now for two years at Liverpool. Um, well, we were saying this on Wednesday, weren't we? Like he, he got the ankle injury against was it Inter Milan, yeah. So yeah. he like had to rush back for the League Cup final, and he had a few moments towards the end of that season, like he scored at the Etihad, but he was still not at his best. And then he had a couple of injuries with the international side out for a yeah. while. He got that injury against Man City, then the yeah. the one they'll win in October, and but, then he was out for four months. And then when you come back, season Liverpool are already struggling, and he's just about. Looking to get fit again more yeah. than anything, aren't you? And um goes on that lengthy goal drought as a result. Yeah, yeah. But now he's got games in under his belt after the, the other injury at Man City this season. And well, he's had a month, six weeks of rhythm. We've seen the benefits of him. And when he was scoring all those goals before two years ago, it was when they were going for all four trophies. So it's a timely return to form. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just before we get on to, to team selection then, um had quite a few questions coming through about the potential replacements for, for Jurgen Klopp, obviously sort of the leading candidate among those names. It is Xabi Alonso. Just a, a quick one from both of you. Would you be both be, be keen for him to be the, the number one replacement? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think I said this last week when um Brendan Rodgers left. I think Klopp was the unequivocal first choice, wasn't he? But Liverpool fans wouldn't swap Klopp for anyone in the world. So whoever you whoever you want to come in is is automatically less than a Jurgen Klopp, which is a difficult position to be starting from as a manager. And a bit of groundswell of support is needed in terms of you know Alonso would have that coming in as a club legend and a kind of revered figure of you know certainly the. the 2000s era of football isn't it so um, if he wins the Bundesliga and or Europa League I don't think there's 
there's any other candidate really. But um, that's a big ask for such an inexperienced manager as is leading Liverpool. But at the moment, I'd probably put him just ahead of, of the rest of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the standout for me just because he's got that aura about him. He's managed, or he's played for some of the very best managers mm. around and he just feels like that student of the game that can take the next step. There isn't really any leading candidates there. You've got the experience that you'd, you'd snap up. Like you can look at Zidane's CV or Mourinho's CV, both free agents. You wouldn't want them anywhere near the club. They want someone who's got that yeah. connection there. And the names that stand out is what? Alonso, De Zerbi, the younger managers. Uh, maybe Unai Emery has been one of the better managers in the Premier League. He's proven in European football and done it mm-hmm. at a number of clubs. But you're not looking at the teams in Spain, Germany, other teams in Portugal like that and thinking, oh, yes, I definitely want their manager. It'd be someone who's a bit of an unknown quantity. Like there's the Sporting Lisbon manager, isn't it? Who's, Ruben Amor. Yeah, yeah, he's been linked a bit. But Alonso just seems a class above. Yeah, well, of course, this weekend, full focus will be on Arsenal. The new manager chat can wait. Um, so we'll have your team selections now and then go on, go see Stars. Yeah, um, that line. Alisson, Connor Bradley, which is, is crazy to be saying when Trent's fit, but um, great, he's in great form, isn't he? Gomez, fair play to Gomez. He's been brilliant for the last few weeks. And Canate and Van Dijk. Yep. Probably the same. I've still not worked out how I'm getting Trent in that team. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I see. It's doing well that back four, so we might as well stick with it. Yeah, talk us through your midfield, Lenny. You're gonna you're gonna shoehorn shoehorn Trent in there somewhere. It's a difficult one because McAllister's doing so well. Um, like I said earlier, we didn't get the update on the knock he got at the weekend, uh, so we'll see if he's training now. Um, if he's fine, McAllister keeps his place, and then it's Jones and Sabosli. Uh, it's hard to shoe on Trent in there because he's not really started a league game there, as he? he's just had a couple of the cup games maybe. Um, yeah, like, let's go with what's been working, what's been doing the job. Ghosty? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to overlook McAllister because of how good he's been. So Boz Lied back, fit, isn't he? And Curtis Jones on the left and keep Trent in reserve for a right-back or a defensive midfield role. And forward line then, assuming Darwin's fit, does he does he keep his place in there? I think so, yeah. I mean, like I say, he should have scored to the night, but I thought his all-round performance was excellent. So, I, do you know what? I, I don't know whether I'd play him off the left and put Diaz down the right and, and Jota through the middle, and you can cut sort of interchange as the game goes. But I just think, like you said earlier on, Nunes off the left in that cup game, he, he really started to cause yeah. problems, didn't he? And Diaz actually gets his goal from the right side, doesn't he? So, yeah, that'd be my front three. I'm keeping Darwin on the bench, even if he's OK. Like He's played a lot of football. Um, you just don't want to risk it. I, I know they can play through the pain barrier. They can take some painkiller um, injections or something. But he's just... He'd be such a good impact sub against the defence that can get rattled quite easily. Um, if you want to dominate the play, Gagpo as a false nine is the perfect man to do that. Jota seems the most comfortable when he goes on the right-hand side and Diaz has still got that electric pace on the left to cause them problems. Yeah, I mean, I hope Trent Alexander-Arnold's not watching this pod right now because all three of us have got him on, on the bench for, for this game, I'm sure. He's played 300 games. He, yeah. can, he can sit this one off. I do think, you know, whatever whatever lineup that, that Jürgen goes with, you know, Trent undoubtedly will have a part to play on, on Sunday and probably if, if Liverpool do go on to get the win, I think he will have something to say about that. Yeah. Um, but only time will tell. It's Trent and Darwin off the bench, Trent free quick, Darwin heads at home. It's one nil win. But I think we mentioned it earlier on. Liverpool have got to kind of sit in, have knee and keep it tight early on, get on the ball, quieten the crowd. And it's not the most intimidating of atmospheres, the Emirates, but um 
Liverpool have just got to start better than they have the last few times yeah. they've been to the Emirates and, and just hang in there and then slowly sort of you know impose themselves on the game and, and in the second half I think spaces might open up for some of those trend passes and get um, the likes of Nunes in behind maybe Score predictions Theo? Uh, uh, let's go one all. I'd take a draw. You still got a three-point lead. I feel like win. Oh, th- this pause has been so full of positivity, and you've just brought us back, back, the, back the, down the to it. Table, yeah, yeah, go on. Have foraging your convictions, Theo. I said they're, said they're, they're out the title, title race. Well, yeah, they're not going to win the title, but <laughs> they can still get a point off Liverpool at the Emirates. One-one. Yeah, one-one. Glossy. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about that Man City game when they beat them in, in October. That was a the Emirates, wasn't it? It was a massive result for them. Um, I'd be more confident if they hadn't won the cup game. Like just the fact mm. to go and do that to, twice at the Emirates in the space of a month just seems a bit too much to ask. Two two draw. Two two draw. I'm gonna I'm gonna be brave. I'm gonna mm. put my neck on the line. I'm gonna say two one to Liverpool. Um, we can only hope, of course, only time will tell. Arsenal will be gunning for the win. <laughs> You've um, got that written down, have you? I've not. No, that's uh. just. Stopped. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, as Jurgen Klopp said in his press conference today, we all have to buckle up because it's going to be a. A crazy few weeks, yeah. crazy few months. Um, I, I, true, I want to make a note about that actually because <clears throat> speaking to you about it earlier today, wasn't it? it was a, that question it was about McAllister's form, and <clears throat> I hope to get the guy, the journalist who asked the question, doesn't mind me saying, but it was relatively inexperienced journalist yeah. who asked the question, wasn't it? You know, a bit of a standard McAllister's informed question, <clears throat> and Klopp answered it. But then this is the thing with Klopp; he always gives you more. He gives you two minutes, three minutes answer, and by the end of it, it was kind of a rallying cry, wasn't it, to the entire club and the entire fan base. Buckle up, hold your breath, let dig in, let's go for it, and, you know, basically, let's see what this this ride ends with. And it was almost a bit of a kind of call to arms, and it, it was just like a, you know, statement-like address, and that's kind of what he brings, and that's what ultimately they're going to be missing out on when he goes yeah I mean hopefully it does have the desired effect on Sunday but for Mm. now thank you very much for listening to the Blood Red podcast and we'll be back next week to discuss all things Arsenal you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo